It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? And I don't know why, but it just seems like Satan's working overtime today, and it seems like every time Satan starts to work a little overtime, that almost tells me he doesn't want y'all to hear what I got to say today. I think that's kind of the way it goes sometimes, and tries to get us off track a little bit, and uh, I, I think today is one of the most important messages that I'm going to share with you, one uh, that is absolutely needed. We are in the book of Romans. We started last week. This is week number two. Uh, last week we discussed how, how Paul had a heart for the gospel, and because he had a heart for the gospel, he had a heart for people, and because of those two things that compelled him to want to share the gospel with people. He was not ashamed of the gospel because he knew that the gospel was the power of God unto salvation uh, for anyone who believes. He knew that the gospel message could change people's lives. And he made a statement that I believe we would do well to emulate. We would do well to commit this to memory and live it out in our lives. He said this, in fact, you know what, I, I just want to read this out loud. Let's just tell, let's just, just, just tell Satan to get out of here today by reading this out loud together. Here we go. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. When I sent that to John to make the slides, I forgot the to everyone part. Sorry about that, John. But uh, it's to everyone who believes. And as followers of Jesus Christ, as His disciples, trying our best to make other people disciples, we have to boldly proclaim the gospel message because it's the only thing that can save someone. There's power in the gospel. Each time it is preached, each time that it is shared, each time that it is sung, or each time it is demonstrated in someone's life, there's the opportunity for someone to come to know Jesus. There's power in it. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and that Word is the Gospel. And we have to make sure that we do our best to share that with people and give people the opportunity to come to know Jesus. We want people to know the love of God. Amen? But there's a side of the gospel that we don't like to talk about all that much. You know, We don't like to think about it. We certainly don't like to share it with others because we're afraid people are going to be upset by it. We're afraid that people might get upset at us. But it is an absolute must that we share all of the gospel and not just select parts of it. We have to share the whole truth of the gospel. We cannot just get caught up in the, in the warm fuzzies of it. It must be balanced with the other part that is equally true. And I don't know why it is, but we are kind of, I don't know if we've been conditioned this way or what, but we kind of like those movies. We like those shows. We like those stories where someone gets revenge, right? You agree with me on that? Reminds me of a story about a soldier who was fighting over in Iraq back in the early 90s and he received a letter from his girlfriend that said that she was breaking up with him and she, she said, hey, if you don't mind, can you send the picture back that I gave you a little while back because I need it for my bridal announcement. Well, as you can imagine, the soldier was heartbroken and he told his friends about the terrible situation. So they all got together and they brought all of the pictures of their girlfriends and they put them all in a box and they gave all of those pictures to him and told him to send her picture in the box with the rest of those pictures back to her and a note that said, I'm sending back your picture to you. Please remove it and send back the rest. For the life of me, I can't remember which one you are. Now, 
That's awful. That's awful. That's awful funny, but that's awful, right? We love revenge. We love to hear funny stories like that where someone just really, you know, gets them. But we don't like to hear it when, when we think about God possibly being a God who might want to take revenge, right? We don't like to talk about that too much because we, we know that God is a loving God. And, and, the, and the thing that's being taught in our world today is that, you know, God is, is so loving that He would never uh, pour out His wrath on people and He would never send anyone to hell. But we have to balance the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God with the fact that God is a God of wrath. And He has also said that if you sin and you do not know my Son, well, there are consequences to that. And so the first thing that we need to understand understand today is this God is a God of love but he is also a God of wrath Paul just said in verses 16 and 17 that he's not ashamed of the gospel it's powerful to save people and that in this gospel God's righteousness is revealed that was verse 17 and he follows that up in verse 18 and he says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and all the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their uh wickedness. And a lot of skeptics would say, wait a minute, I thought you said that God was a God of love, and now you're saying God is an angry God, He's a wrathful God. You're contradicting yourself when you say that. And I have to admit, I probably, down through the years, in my years of preaching, this is is a subject that I have not preached a lot on, Um, and, and that's the wrath of God, the punishment of God, probably because I grew up in a church where that's all we talked about. You know, when I was going to church on a Sunday morning, it was, it was you know, you turn or burn, you know. And, it, and, it, and when the preacher is preaching on a Sunday morning, and if you don't go forward at the end of the service and kneel at the altar, surrender your life again this week, then if something happened to you Monday through Saturday, well, good luck, you know. I, I think there needs to be a good balance between the love of God and God's wrath. And in this day and age, people get upset when you talk about God's wrath. Even in the church. Some people get upset by that and they even develop their own uh, twisted doctrine and say a loving God would never pour out His wrath on people. And so they completely dismiss it and then they say, hey, you know what? Just do your best and the love of God's going to cover it. And a lot of people... A lot of churches will preach feel-good messages where people walk out all pumped up and they're, as I said earlier, all about God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and forgiveness. And that's needed. Don't get me wrong because it's, it's powerful. He has made a way for us. You know? But it can't be just that. I feel that some people have kind of been programmed to just believe in a God who would never, never condemn but the gospel portrays both a loving God and, and a wrathful God. But here's the thing we need to understand. Just because He's a wrathful God, that doesn't mean that He's not loving. It's almost like people say, hey, it's got to be one or the other. It can't be both. Let me ask those of you who have kids. Did you ever pour out your wrath on your kids? Right? And as a parent, we ought to understand that Man, sometimes our kids are going to mess up and sometimes there's consequences and sometimes there's punishment for that. We don't love them any less. It's not either or, right? We, we punish them and the, we have this fear of punishment, you know, the, the old I brought you into this world, I can take you out kind of theory, right? We, we say that to our kids sometimes and, and, and we do that so that they'll, they'll live right, right? 
Well, to some degree, but not exactly. That's, that's kind of what God does. God is saying, listen, I love you so much. I want the best life possible for you. I do not want you to stray from what I have uh, laid out as what I know the best life possible for you is. And so I will punish sin in your life. British theologian Charles Cranfield put it this way. His wrath is not something which is inconsistent with his love. On the contrary, it's an expression of His love. It's precisely because He loves us truly and seriously and faithfully that He is angry with our sinfulness. If you're trying to define the wrath of God or the judgment of God, this is basically it. God's wrath is His love in action against sin. No, He didn't just say, you know what, I don't, I don't want you guys to have any fun. And, and, and if he didn't act justly toward our sin, then he wouldn't be God, right? I mean, if he just said, you know what, I know I said this, but I didn't really mean that. You go ahead and do what you want to do, right? He so desperately wants a relationship with us that anything that we do that is not up to the standard that he commanded of us, we need to get rid of it. Anything that we say, anything that we think, anything that we do that is outside of God's guidelines, His justice demands payment for that sin. And if there's no justice, then God is not God. He's just something that we've, we've made up. One of, the most, one of the most famous sermons that's ever been preached is by a guy uh, named Jonathan Edwards. It's called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And listen to one part of it, what he said. He said, the bow of God's wrath is bent and the arrow made ready on the string. And justice directs the bow to your heart and strains the bow. And it is nothing but the mere pleasure of God and that of an angry God without any promise or obligation at all that keeps the arrow one moment from being made drunk with your blood. Now, most people don't like that kind of preaching. That's kind of heavy, and we've got to stop and think about what he's actually saying there, right? It's like, man, that's, that's bad. That's awful. Seriously? But see, that's what makes the good news so good, is that God has provided a way for us to escape that arrow going to us. Because of my sin and because of all of the stupid things that I've done, God's judgment has been stirred. Okay? And I deserve punishment because of the dumb things that I've done. But the wrath that I deserved was poured out on the precious Son of God on the cross of Calvary. And we don't have to worry about it. So today, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're not under the blood of Jesus, then you will be held accountable for your sins and you will be subject to God's wrath. But here's a question on the minds of some people, maybe a lot of people. You know? I think maybe it's a question that a lot of non-believers wrestle with. If God is so loving, then, then why? Why do we even have to worry about that wrath? Well, what's the reason for it? If He loves us so much, why? Well, look at verse 18 again. We see the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness uh, and godliness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now, now Paul is saying um, that his wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And it seems like that's a little bit redundant, right? Ungodliness and unrighteousness is kind of the same thing, right? Seems like he's saying, you know, uh, just a little bit overkill here. But God's wrath is, um, well, here's what he's saying. God is not pleased at all with 
a particular sin in our lives. And this particular sin in our lives leads to all other ungodliness and all unrighteousness. Okay? And what this particular sin is, and and on the surface it really doesn't seem like all that big of a deal, the sin that we're talking about is suppressing the truth. That's, well that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem like all that, that big a deal. I think what God was saying to Paul, what God is saying to us, is that way too often we push down the truth of God, of what sin is in our hearts and in our minds. We push it down so far that it can't interfere with what we want to do. The truth of God is so powerful and, and the truth reveals sin that's in our lives. And what we want to do is we want to push it down. We want to suppress it. We want to step on it and we want to say, hey, you know what? It's really not all that big a deal. And in hopes, and maybe you've played this game, I have, in hopes that if we just forget about that sin that's in our lives, we press it down so much, the truth, so much, we won't even think about it. We can just go through our lives every single day. We don't have to worry about God reminding us of it. We don't have to worry about the Holy Spirit uh, bringing it to our, our conscience at all, if I just suppress it far enough, I don't have to worry about it. Push it down. Sweep it under the rug. Maybe it'll go away. And he goes on to say this in the next couple of verses. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Here's the, here's the deal. God has revealed Himself in creation to us. So if, if, if we never even knew what a Bible was, we would know that there's a higher power. God has said that He has created the world. He has created the universe so that we are without excuse. But here's the deal. People don't want to see God in this creation because they know if they see God in this creation, then they're going to be accountable to a higher power, and that's not what they want. They don't want to have accountability. They don't want to have someone higher to to have to answer to. People in the world don't want to see the truth that God exists, because if they knew that God exists, then they know they would have a responsibility to hold themselves accountable to Him. And so they just flat out refuse to see what God has given to us, and so they look for any way possible, any way possible to explain the truth away, or just cut it out completely, or just deny it, thinking that, hey, if I just deny the truth, then I'm not going to be held accountable for it. But here's the truth that everyone needs to know, there'll be no excuses. That's what God is saying here. A lot of times, you know, we think about uh, these people, a lot of people say, well, what about people in third world countries and, and all these tribes and things that have never even heard the gospel? Let's not even go there for a minute. Let's just deal with the people who are so wicked, people who do not want anything to do with God so they can live as they please, who are suppressing the truth. They are without excuse. They cannot stand before God someday and say, well, you know what, God, I just didn't know. He's revealed Himself to us. For all know they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Alright, so what, what Paul is saying here is, listen, God has created the world and He has revealed Himself to us, 
But that wasn't good enough. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're to create these carved images and we're going to worship these carved uh, birds and animals and reptiles and other humans and all that sort of thing. But undoubtedly, Paul knew the Psalms. Uh, undoubtedly, Paul knew the songbook of Israel. And listen to what he says in chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. And so basically, God is saying, listen, creation is screaming my name. When I think of this scripture, I think of the song, How Great Thou Art. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds Thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. And what really provokes God's anger is when people see what He has created for them and they just turn their backs on it. Now, we live in this world that God has given us, He has blessed us with, a world that He has created for and blessed them with so much, and then they kind of respond, hey God, you know what, I'm good. I, I don't really need you. I, I'll just rely on, on myself. All I need is myself. This world was formed by survival of the fittest anyway. It has nothing to do with a higher power. So I'm just going to rely on myself and I'm going to become the strongest self that I can possibly be. I'm not going to believe in some invisible invisible. God. And, and Paul says this type of mindset leads to idolatry. And you say, well, you know what? I'm not the kind of person that's going to, you know, I'm not going to carve some crazy bird or snake or something and start worshiping. No, you're probably not. But there's a whole lot of other forms of idolatry that we uh, buy into today. Some things that we, we worship. The way I understand it, idolatry is basically giving something that belongs to God, you give it somewhere else. Right? You know, in Paul's day, it was the carved, the carved idols. For us, it might be anyone or, or anything. Usually it's good things to take place of what rightfully should be God's. Right? Anything we serve, anything we love, anything we give our time and energy to, anything that we'll sweat for, anything that we'll bleed for or die for or maybe even kill for in some instances, that's an idol. And the whole time God is saying, listen to me people. I'm not invisible. I've revealed myself in so many ways in creation, whether you realize it or not, and I love you whether you realize it or not. And he might be saying to someone in this service right now, maybe someone watching online, I know for years you've been suppressing the truth. You've been pushing down what God's Word is saying. And you've chosen to live your own way. And even though you might not believe in me, I love you. Maybe God's saying that to you today. It's like a preacher friend I know, Steve Shepard, he said, our hearts are like those grocery carts. Have you ever been in the grocery store and you get one of those grocery carts where the wheel's all messed up? Don't you hate those things? You start pushing, and, it's all in the, and it always leans to the left, you know, and you're going through the aisles and you're like knocking over displays and running into little kids and taking old people out. You know what I'm talking about? And no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you try, you cannot keep that cart 
straight. It always wants to veer to the left. Our hearts are kind of like that, you know? In our lives, we've kind of curved away from God. We said, I want to do this on my own, God. I don't need you anymore. I'm kind of in a good place right now. Don't go messing it up. I'm going to do my own thing my own way. And consequently, we pull away from God's will for our lives. And when we pull away from God's will for our lives and we suppress the truth, that's when we become subject to God's wrath. And what exactly does that mean when we become subject to God's wrath. Because I, I don't, I don't want to be there. Just saying. I don't think you do either. Look at verses 24 through 32. Therefore, okay, and, and again, we got, we got to, when he starts off that passage with therefore, he's just said a whole bunch of things before that. And because of this, therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their heart. So God is basically, uh, or Paul is basically following up what the Lord is telling him to do. Uh, They've been suppressing the truth. They've been living their lives like they want to live. And God is basically saying, okay, if that's how you want to live. And he says, therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. And here's what was going on. To sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they did what they ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have... That's interesting that kids, if you're listening, that's thrown in with all that other stuff. Disobeying your parents. Just just a heads up. Um, They have no understanding... No fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but also approve of those who practice them. And so when we read through this list of sins, it pretty much covers everything. You know, sometimes there's a few sins that are listed. Like, I'm off the hook on that one. I don't have to worry about that one. That one's not on the list. He covers them all in this one, right? None of us are off the hook on this list of sins. Pretty much everything that someone might struggle with, with is, is in there. It's on this list. Now, one of our greatest blessings that God has ever given us is the freedom to choose to do what we want to do. The Apostle Paul even said, all things are permissible, yet not beneficial, So you can do what you want to do. God's love gave us the free choice to choose what we want to do. And so Paul is saying, listen, um, 
God will allow you to do what you want. If it's your heart's desire, go ahead and do that, I guess. And some think, okay, great, that's awesome. That's wonderful. I finally get what I've wanted all along. But remember earlier, Paul talked about how we suppress the truth. Okay, and so here's here's where Satan plays this mind game. And this is why I don't think he wants you to know what I'm telling you today. I think this is why he's kind of fought me this morning. He's playing this mind game with us um, to say, listen, you don't have to listen to what God is saying. Did he really say that? Is that really what he meant? You know, he did the same thing to Adam and Eve, right? In the Garden of Eden. Did God really say you shouldn't eat from the tree? Is that what he really said? And so he plays that mind game with us and he says, hey, you know what? You, you just do what you want to do. You want to get ahead in this life. Listen, if, if God was against you, he would have already taken you out. You know, he, so he feeds us with all of these lies and he gets us to suppress the truth. And he says, you just do whatever makes you feel good. Because here's the reality of it. And don't amen this too loud, but sin is fun, right? If it wasn't fun, it would not be appealing. If sin wasn't fun, there would be no temptation. But here's what we do. We cave into that sometimes. We suppress the truth. And when God is nowhere in the picture, God is nowhere in our thought process, the result is we're always going to choose evil because evil is more fun. In our depraved mindset, right? If we live our lives like this, most of us, it'll be all evil all the time. Now, the second thing that happens is this our minds don't work like they should. Would you agree with me that as we look at our world today, and as sin becomes more and more accepted, the minds of a lot of people have become more and more sick? It's, it's, it's just unbelievable what we see happening in our world today. Whether it's a, allowing people to choose what gender they are, or whether it's murdering innocent babies. Our government is endorsing those things and establishing laws that allow this to happen. And when you look at verses 21 and 22, it says, they became futile in their thinking. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So not only do we approve of the wicked in this world, we applaud it sometimes. That's what's even more disheartening. I was reading uh, on the internet just this This week, um, a singer by the name of Sam Smith, some of you probably heard him, he's a great singer, um, got a new tattoo that pays tribute to his non-binary gender identity. You're saying, well, what in the world does that mean? Um, His tattoo on his arm is of a picture of a man in men's underclothes with ladies' high heels on. And one headline even says, Sam Smith gets new arm tattoo in reference to their gender identity. He's calling himself their. 
Because he could go either way, depending on the kind of day. And people are celebrating this. Look it up. It's all over the internet. And it kindles the wrath of God. It breaks his heart. It angers him. It breaks his heart. And we see the world suppressing the truth and say, okay, you just do what you want to do. Everything's okay. God's up there going, no, it's not. Because that's sin. Let me read again. Spencer and I were talking in the office this week and he brought up a great point. I brought up that Jonathan Edwards quote that I read to you earlier. I want to read it again uh, real quick. And, and Spencer ha- said something that I, that I want to share with you as we get ready to close. So if the worship team wants to come on up while I'm reading this. Here's that Edwards quote. The bow of God's wrath is bent and the arrow made ready on the string. And justice bends the arrow at your heart and strains the bow. And it is nothing but the mere pleasure of God and that of an angry God without any promise or obligation at all that keeps the arrow one moment from being made drunk with your blood. Spencer mentioned it's as if God's got the arrow pulled back on the, on the bow and just as He lets it go, Jesus steps in front and takes the arrow for you. And so the arrow is made drunk with the blood of His only Son. Not our blood, which is what we deserve. And that's the good news. That's the good news of the gospel. God's wrath is real, but His love is greater. And He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. He stepped in front of the arrow Jesus did, took the bullet. You say it however you want to say it. He was nailed to the cross. And He died for us. Will you respond to that today? For those of you who are already believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, may it encourage you today to live as rightly as you possibly can for Jesus. Whatever sin that you might be dealing with in your life, will you repent of that and live for Jesus? Would you ask for forgiveness and allow His blood to cover that sin in your life? Maybe you're here today and you've never responded to the Gospel You've never surrendered your life to Jesus and turned away from your sin and been baptized into Him. That's, that's where it starts. Maybe that's a decision you want to make today. If you're here, you want to come to the front, make that decision publicly here. We encourage you to do that. If you're watching online, you can text the word READY to our church connection number. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to surrender your life to Jesus and start living for Him and get out from under the wrath of God and under the blood of Jesus. Would you stand with me?